Oh yes, that time again. You have walked into the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. The way you say it, though, it makes me feel like they're going to think it's a big mistake. What have we done? There's no going back. I Well, I agree. In fact, I you think it, it's going to feel like this. This is what it's going to feel like. What's it going to feel like? The Anything But Quiet Time podcast? You have, you have entered in. into a different kind of, kind of thinking. We clearly don't know the dialogue or the narrative at the beginning of the show. Well, oh, there he is. There, there he is. is. I'm Walter Cronkite. That's how I was doing it. Uh, no, it's Rochelle and Carter talking about what we're going through spiritually, but what are you going through in, in life, too? What's, what am just, I going what's through up? in life? What's up? Uh, my husband started an IV drip for me last night. I'm not making so this up. So I'll tell you what I'm doing. Uh, no, no. <laughs> so registered nurse... Uh, we got on the subject of blood and plasma, and he's got an IV bag. Is he allowed got... to use it like that? Well, he did. Okay. Uh, he's like, uh, he asked me, he was like, hey, want some electrolytes? I'm like, honestly? <laughs> what some electrolytes? I could use some electrolytes. It was so just chill. And where we are living right now, there is a heat advisory, and we do heat very well in Houston, Texas. So I was like, I could, I could, yeah. And he was showing my children, this is how it works, and- I mean, he's licensed to do it, so it was great. That's great. You you feel refreshed? I felt refreshed. That's good. That's good. It, it is the weirdest thing I can say in our marriage that has ever happened in 16 years. You got an IV drip. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody coming and knock on the door and I come to them and I'm holding my IV bag. Are you okay? What's going on? I felt a little peaked, so I got some electrolytes. Yeah. All right. Drink a Gatorade. That's an idea, too. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I don't know how to recover from this. Uh, but uh, no, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, HopeOnDemand.com is where this podcast lives. Of course, you can get it anywhere you get your podcast. Maybe that's how you found it. iHeartRadio or Spotify or your your Apple podcast app. So, Carter, what's new with you? And maybe maybe you want to go directly to the good stuff, the I, good devotional content. I wanted to um, talk about a little bit what we, well, no, fully but I something came to mind new about the prodigal son that we covered last week. Ooh, no backseas. We can't go back. We can't go back. That's it. Unless you get a DeLorean. Well, I have a new thing. Can I talk about the new thing? I would love it. Actually, okay. that'd be great. That that parable has got so much to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If you if by the way, you just are listening this week for the first time, it would encourage you to go back last week. You talked about how uh, what the father didn't do in the prodigal son story, he could have broken a pot at the son's feet, mm-hmm. uh, saying, "You're you're broken. You're no longer a part of this tight knit family, family or, or, yeah. or community." And he didn't do it. He, in fact, he ran out before anybody else got a chance. That's to do that. one way that you can interpret the story. And what's really amazing again about Jesus is knowing he knew because he grew up a good Jewish boy. Mm-hmm. He knew the tradition, the culture. He knew what society would deem correct and incorrect. And that would have been something typical. If you dishonor your family, yeah, mm. you could bring your your kid in front of people and even say, in fact, it's interesting because the term, this man is a drunkard and a, what was the other part? Glutton. Okay, so yes, yes. Here is a glutton. A glutton? What's a glutton? <laughs> it's a glutton and a drunkard. And that's an accusation that they, you know, throw out at Jesus. And it's not just like random. That was actually from the law where people could hold their children accountable saying they're not following my instruction. Mm. They're a glutton and a drunkard. And if you brought them in front of the correct people, the authority placed over that particular community, 
Apparently, yeah, that, that was grounds to have them stoned, taken outside the village and stoned. So it's like, this is the category they wanted to put Jesus in. Look at what he's doing. Mm. He is obviously not a good Jewish boy. He's not following the proper instruction. This is not the way to do it. And when did they do it? They accused him of these things while he was sitting at a table with people who were not in their thinking, and according to tradition and culture, yeah, appropriate. Yeah. And again, I think sometimes we hurl these um the people of the day, the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees and Pharisees, the religious leaders, into this clump of bad guys. They're bad guys. You think about it. No, 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 no. That literally could be any of us today. We get so used to tradition, culture, society. This is what is deemed appropriate. And we're ready to just throw other people out, you know? Well, certainly they are the antagonists, but but yeah, it's when we... I don't want to think of myself as that guy. When we say they're the bad guys, we're implying I'm the good guy. And no, I, I, we may very all well do something like oh, that. No doubt. I've done many things like that in yeah. at least thought and uh-huh. the word of God challenges you that Jesus said, if you do it in your heart, you've done it. Right. It's as good as doing it. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I'm guilty of the very things that these guys have done. Certainly. Well, the prodigal son was, was guilty. He uh, insulted his father by uh, getting his inheritance, asking for it before the you know father had passed away. Yeah, goes and spends it foolishly, and then you know this is Luke fifteen. He comes back and he's like, "All right, I, I this is dumb." Basically, he's sitting there eating slop that pigs eat. My my father's employees get treated better than this, so uh, he goes home and he's got his little speech ready. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, "I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know uh, I'll say to to my father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned before you. I've sinned against God." Uh, I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He's got this speech planned. And so I just, after we happened to talk about it, this was what was in my reading uh, this last weekend. And it just really, uh, I had never thought about it this way. He's got his little speech ready. And so he got right up the next day, went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, this is verse 20. I'm reading now verbatim, uh, Luke 15, verse 20. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed his son. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. The verse 22 says this, but the father wasn't listening. (laughs) He was calling to the servants, quick, bring him a clean set of clothes and dress him, put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. Uh, Now that is this particular translation that specifically says, but the father wasn't listening. Mm -hmm. And so I go to some of the other major translations and it doesn't necessarily specifically say that, but it's implied because here's this speech. And then the father says nothing to him. Mm-hmm. The, the first words out of the father's mouth, I think at all, because he, I mean, he embraced him and kissed him. Yeah. But the first words out of the father's mouth weren't even to the son. Hey, servants, get the stuff ready. We're going to party tonight. Yeah. That, so clearly that is implied at the very least is he is not paying attention to what the son is saying. Because he already knew what he was going to do. Should his son appear at the end of the path? He, he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew. Obviously. But I think that really spoke to me that obviously, you know, Jesus is telling this, this parable. Mm-hmm. The father is God. We are the prodigal son. And 
it spoke to me that he didn't need to hear his planned apology. He didn't need to hear his groveling. It was the action of coming back that put the prodigal son in good standing. And I think a lot of us feel I'm messing up. I'm continuing to mess up or just maybe one time I messed up real big. I don't know how to broach the subject with God. I don't have this fancy poem, this haiku, this apology ready to go. I don't know what to say. And I think it's as simple as the son realized this is dumb. I'm going home. And the action of walking up the road and leaving that past behind is what put him in, in good standing. He could have had this planned apology, uh, you know, well and written and, and maybe even written a, a letter to his father, but it wasn't the same as him leaving his sin mm-hmm. and coming home. And I, I know a lot of times the word repentance has freaked me out because I don't know. I didn't really always know what it meant. I thought it was just something fancy. I thought it was a fancy apology. I didn't know what, what exactly it was. And so Rochelle, I'm going to hold this, this pen. You're going to be able to see me. I know nobody else is. I'm going to hold this pen. Yeah. And let's say this pen is my sin. Yeah. And I, I hold on to it and I clutch it for the longest time and I really like it and I don't want to let it go. Okay. And finally it's like, all right, I'm ready to put this away and go towards God. So how I originally thought of repentance was getting on my knee or on one knee and holding up the pen and going, I offer this to you and I want you to burn it and I have a, a sacrifice and a, a ceremony and I will, it's, it's like the last night of church camp. I have forever changed <laughs> and just this big what, what not to do. Yeah. And so Rochelle, you'll see me. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I've realized if, my observation of what okay. repentance more actually is. Yeah. That's how I thought about it before. And in the last couple of years when I've realized repentance means to change your mind about something. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm going to do. Let's say you're you're the God figure here. I, wanna... I will accept this role ah, and this challenge. Lightning, lightning. Okay, but so, only because you need another person. I need in this I need somebody here. I want to go towards you, and I but I get, still got this stupid pen that represents sin. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm looking at the pen. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at yeah. the pen. <sighs> what did I just do? You threw it away. I just tossed it behind it's me. It's nowhere near me. And now I'm moving towards you. You're gonna move towards me. And I, I, and that's what that so represented to me. Yeah. I don't have to have the fancy words. I'm I don't, I'm this. not a scholar. I'm done with this. I'm going to God. Yeah. It spoke to me like I'd never had before because the father interrupted and didn't listen to the words just in that scenario. Yeah. He wasn't listening. I, no, no, no. You're back. Come on in. Yeah. I think it's really important to recognize the father's response. Mm-hmm. Because yours should be very limited. Like he did too much. The prodigal son did too much. The act of repentance is to change your way, mm-hmm. right? To mm-hmm. turn around and make a change. Yeah. And that's what he did because he was going down this road and he turns right back around and comes back home. Yep. So that's repentance. And then he's like, yeah, there's the ceremony. Let me just give you my spiel. I'm going to sell you this bill of goods and you're going to uh-huh. accept me maybe as a servant, as a much lesser position than I ever had. Yeah, you know, he expected before. less. That's a good point, too. Yeah. And God had already made up his mind to receive you. And in Romans, it says, while you were still sinners, he died for you. You literally were at your worst when he decided to purchase you with his blood. Your worst. Yeah. And 
If you ever had a picture of what you feel like was your worst, let me just tell you right now, if you have never said yes to Jesus and you feel like you're dotting all your I's and you're crossing all your T's and you feel like I'm a good person, the Bible tells us that's not enough. Mm-hmm. We have to recognize we are not enough apart from Christ. Well, you got to you got to ask yourself, was his little spiel, although nice, does it really make up for the fact that he insulted his no, father and no. basically said, I wish you were dead because I want my money? The, the point is, is the father had already made up his mind when he returns, when he just grabs hold of grace, mm-hmm. when he just grabs hold of it, because I'm already I already know what I'm going to do. I've already done it. In fact, it seems like he's already had a conversation with the servants. Hey. Should he return? This is the plan. Yeah. So it's like there was no discussion from the servant. Are you sure? Of course, if like a servant would ever stand up to the, you know, the, That's true. the king. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, they knew what to do. They, this is the plan. They had the ring. They had the garment. They were ready to go. You just have to come home. And he was looking out for because he saw him walking up. So he was looking, looking for, for him to come back. And he ran, which would have been not something culturally acceptable after what he had done. Uh-huh. You ran to him? That kid? Right. Yeah. So if you have ever, and, and this is really important, maybe you have not said yes to Jesus or you have and you're kind of in limbo right now. You're like, I, I don't know if I believe. I, I don't know. You know, if you've ever felt the need to satisfy something in your heart, and you've been filling it up with everything under the sun. And the world will tell you, well, just go ahead. You're an adult. Make grown-up decisions. It's okay. Does it feel good? Go with it. But then you feel emptier and emptier and emptier. It's because there is a shape to that hole in your life. And it can only be filled by the Holy Spirit. It can only be filled by God. Mm-hmm. It's a God-shaped hole. Yeah. And so I clearly have tried to fill it up with other things besides God, even as a follower of Christ. There have been moments as a follower of Christ where I am not living a Christ-following life. Yeah. And so you'll fill up with whatever that feels good temporarily, and then you realize, I have made this a bit of an idol, and that's not okay with God. He wants to be number one. He wants me to come back home. But, yeah, it's it's zero to do with anything that you can offer Mm -hmm. except Mm -hmm. yourself, broken and incapable at the doorstep and he's there and he's like, get in here. Where you been? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. And why do we deny him that? But I have to do more. I have to earn it. Don't deny God. Don't deny what he purchased for you with the blood of his own child. Yeah. I've thought about, imagine your mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. In fact, my dad just got me this incredible gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only a book that he filled out of questions about his history, so I can share it with my newborn son, um, but um, he got me this little clock uh, and etched in glass next to it is all the ancestors that we know about on that side of the family since coming to America. That's amazing. Um, and so that was that was awesome. Um, a legacy and, clock. But could you imagine if he got me that clock and I pulled out 20 bucks and I was like, uh, here, can I, will this cover it? Uh, mm. Can I, are you kidding me? It's a you gift. Think, you, think 20, you think $1,000? Well, it's a gift and it's an important gift that I just want you to enjoy and take. Yeah. Don't, don't dirty it up by your trying to pay for it. Yeah. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Um, but I will tell you uh, one of the reasons why maybe that person in your life has not said yes to the Lord and his gift is because they don't, they don't know what to believe. Mm-hmm. So it may not even be, um, 
I can't accept this gift because I'm not worthy of a gift. By the way, you're never going to be worthy apart from Christ. Uh, I want to repeat that again. You know, it's, he felt that we were worth dying for. Absolutely. So we played a small part in this whole equation because God so loved the world that he gave his son to die for us, that he could save us so that we would not be condemned, but be saved. Right. So yes, we played a small part. We weren't worth his death, but he plus us equals now I'm worthy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's only in Christ. And it's his identity that I carry forward now and not my own. So I'm denying any right to myself. But there's there's that part. Then there's the also, what if I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I don't know who he is. Maybe, why can't he be any other God? Why can't he be that guy's religion? Why can't that be the right way? And I mean, that those are really valid questions. And I think you honor God when you investigate it. Yeah. Because he wants to show you who he is. And if you've ever questioned, who is this guy? All right. Are you real? Show yourself to me. Honestly, ask him. Bible tells us that when we seek him, we will find him. So if you ask and you seek, you will find. Ask him. All right. You know what? If you are out there and he will show up. And it may not be a conventional way that the church has shared with you in the past that kind of falls in line with, you know, something that might be comfortable that we've come to understand in going to church on a traditional level. I'm talking about he will show up in a flower. Like you are just looking at a flower. Oh, my word. How did this bit come to be? Is it creation? Is there a master plan? Is it divine? And then you start, oh, God is revealing himself through his handiwork. Yeah. You know, so I, I think there's a lot of reasons why we don't come to the gate and ask for the Father to cover us. Maybe you never realized that you had a Father to begin with. But again, I appeal to that sense, that feeling in the pit of your stomach when you feel unsatisfied, when you feel empty, you feel lost. And that's the, pit of, that, that's the part of you that is just begging for God. And I appeal to that. I want that filled. And I've tried this stuff and it doesn't work. What can fill it? Mm -hmm. And others will try to fill it for you and help you out. But honestly, seeking after God, he will show himself to you. He will. Well, it's just, it makes sense that it's something eternal that we're craving because you get anything in your life that you get, a new house, a new car, uh, a new relationship, Mm -hmm. um, you know, anything is just so that Feeling goes away after a while, you know, oh, you're living, for example, I mean, the new we're, car, smell, the new goes car smell goes away. Yeah. Uh, for example, we're, we're ready to move into this new house. We have all these plans and we're excited, but I know two, three few months afterwards, it's just going to be a place we live. Yeah. It's not going to be, it's, it, and it's on to something else uh, that's, that can be fleeting that mm-hmm. we seek, you know? And so there's just nothing to, uh, satisfied because everything is, um, this earth is dying, you know? It's really interesting. The Bible was written and, and in by spirit, I mean, to be read over and over and over again. It was meant to be read that way because we further uncover with every time we read scripture, something new 
was the last time that you could say that about anything? Look, I love going to restaurants. And I know that a lot of times I get stuck in a rut and I order the same thing over and over again. But I know every time it's going to be the same flavor, right? Yeah, yeah. You might get bored with that and you try something else. That's because we we like that change. We like to further investigate as to what God says in his word. I will never change. I'm going to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. But here's here's your scope of capacity and understanding who I am. Your ability to fathom who I am is limited. So would you please give it a try, though? Because I guarantee it's going to be better than Baskin-Robbins. You're going to get flavor after flavor after flavor after flavor. And finding out who I am you will never be bored with me. If you are truly seeking God, you won't get bored. And that, I remember reading that once and I thought, man, that's, that tells me where I'm at because I, at the time, was feeling bored mm. with what I was reading in scripture. Mm-hmm. And I thought, maybe I'm reading it wrong. So I started trying to figure out, okay, well, what did this mean? Is it symbolic for something? And there are incredible tools out there that go alongside with the Bible, like pairing it with a a fine cheese or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you can work alongside the Bible and it'll show you, Hey, look, kind of like the context we were talking about earlier, the, the comment, you know, uh, he is a glutton and a drunkard. And like, that was a term that that related back to the old Testament times Yeah, that could have helped like get somebody stoned. That's crazy. But, uh, yeah. And Jesus would tie in these incredible stories as we've shared before to very relatable. It's all relevant stuff that took place in those times, but it may not feel relevant to you right now because you're not a farmer sowing seed or you're, uh, you don't own a vineyard or whatever the parable is. You, you know, you never mm-hmm. thought about slopping pigs, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. then if you start digging, you start discovering the layers and then you start even, Lord, let me kind of come up with a scenario that works for right now. Like you and I have even had fun trying to, all right, let's do the armor of God, but let's compare it to Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, with the shield, Captain America's shield of faith and how that repels this and that and can never be damaged and never be broken. That's the faith shield if I've ever heard one. You start to make it relevant and then you start to uncover God is awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I want to encourage you because I I think we all get stuck. I certainly do and have and, and in places am stuck in certain ruts and I well, necessarily like it but let me ask you this Peel back a layer this is uh a serious question in terms of uh but you started smiling like you you're gonna ask you something silly so i don't know what to believe is this for real a question yes or? it well, really is okay. i just i just know my my fortune and i'd come away hearing what you just said motivated like yeah anything i read in the bible uh i can just dig deeper and there's something there yeah and i'd flip right to that genealogy <laughs> You flipped to genealogy. That's what would happen. It would be my, my turn to read through, and so and so was the son of so and so, and so and so was the son of so and so. And sometimes and I'm like, no, no. Reading reading the family tree is not necessarily the most exciting. That's right, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny though. My my brother once said when he was reading through a gene- genealogy, and I mentioned something like that. I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I need just like the what is the biggest Starbucks order? I never can remember. Is that a venti? Oh, oh, the matter. biggest size, yes. The biggest Starbucks order is a hundred <laughs> words long from somebody non non frap, whip, skinny. Yeah. I need something like that to get me through. But he said, you know, when I reflect on the fact that these are people that God loved, it helps me it helps me power through. When I start to think about these were people. They had weird names. That's true. But these are people. Yeah. And they are connected to some of the biggest stories from our childhood that actually helped carry us through really difficult times. You know, the story of David 
the story of Daniel. These are not just stories. They are people with experiences that, according to this this word that I'm holding in my hand, is a faith that I can experience as well. And you start to, oh, that does help me transform those types of boring moments. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like, God, show me how to transform these moments that under any other circumstance would be pure torture, <laughs> you know, in a school type setting. But I, I want this to be, I want an education, but I want it like on, on your terms, it's going to make me like just excited mm-hmm. to open the word of God. Have you ever felt that way? There have been days that I have. I'm excited. What is it going to say? Then there are days where I'm like, nope, mm-hmm. not feeling it. You yeah. So you're not alone if you feel that. It's not like there's any superhuman being that's Bible driven, that's always on fire. No, there's everybody struggles with those kinds of things. And Jesus was very demonstrative, demonstrative in his way of being able to reconnect. He knew he had to reconnect with God because otherwise he knew his spiritual life would suffer and he knew his purpose was spirit driven. So if I'm not connecting with what I know I'm supposed to do, I'm going to get in trouble and I'm, I'm going to be an imperfect son of God. And that can't be a thing. Mm. He was a man without sin. He knew struggle, but without sin. Yeah. So how do I expect to be any better? I can't. I have to plug back in. Yeah. And so he gave us these great examples, but it's also ones that we should be refreshed by because it's like, okay, so if he struggled right, and he was right. perfect and he did it, yeah. so I could be in good company and he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. So if that's really, really true, then I, I, I want some of that, you know? Anyway, there it is. Cool beans. Don't say that. Why would was you that, say that? Was that it? Did you have something? I don't know. I was kind of working off of what you were talking oh, about. Oh, well, uh, then did, thank uh, you for your time and um, many blessings. Actually, I have a funny story. If we need something, because I do have a funny story I want to share, but I just thought you might have. like a weird, I don't know. I felt like it was all over the place today. Did it feel all over the place to you? Well, I mean, it's a conversation. That's it's what a, a podcast is. Perhaps I, well, yeah, it is. But that's, I mean, like I read a little piece of where I was at. Go Maybe ahead. at the very beginning. No, Go I already ahead. did. I already did. Oh, you already did. I already kind oh, of yeah, because you did get into that. With a little the, bit. With the child. The, um, I'm reading this book called The Jesus Creed, and it's basically, uh, it comes down to his creed, the way he lived his life and is asking us to live his life. It comes down to those two top rules, love God, love people. Yeah. And what does that look like for you and me? And how did he kind of flip it all around on the rest of on the rest of his culture, on the rest of society that he was living in, mm-hmm. in that he would present to them, yes, you've discovered in Deuteronomy, it's written right there, something called the Shema, which basically says, you know, um, all of the stuff that you and I would normally say as Christ followers, but then he adds love God, love people in there. It's really interesting. Um, that I did want to say too, oh, yeah. you have resources uh, and um I think that's important too when you talk about, especially trying to get through something like the genealogy. Yeah. That is a incredible to to have an aid of somebody that is an expert and can tie it to those things. Uh, by the way, Hope on Demand mm-hmm. is a great resource of walking through the Bible in a year uh, for you of kind of breaking down some of those scriptures and knowing what's what's what. Yeah. Um. So we just definitely wanted to say that too. Uh. You want to hear my the Starbucks order reminded me. I have a funny story about this. You know, we should go out on coffee. We should start with coffee is really we where we should go. We should have started yeah. with coffee. Yeah. Uh, so my friend. When we started the genealogy talk. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Ted did an internship. He's a video uh, videographer. Uh, and he did an internship in New York City. 
Um, <laughs> you, you just got to say it like the Picani sauce, guys. Uh, so he was at this big uh, firm. I can't remember. Jonathan something is the name. He was working for the guy, interning for the guy that did Silence of the Lambs and other major motion pictures. Oh, my word. He was... He had a good internship. I well, mean, a professional internship. You're talking about like it was a director. It wasn't Anthony Hopkins or anything like that. Uh, no, it was the director that he, he worked for. That would have yes. been really unnerving, especially when he's pretending to be Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, Lecter. that's true. I yep. would like mine with foam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a, good, that's a good comedy bit. Anthony Hopkins at <laughs> Starbucks. Uh, so he was uh, in charge of going to get the coffee, and there was a big meeting there that day. He didn't know who was going to be there, yeah. but they were talking to somebody about, about a movie coming okay. up. So he goes, and he gets like, 18 coffees or whatever and he gives them it's all under one order so okay. they say what's your name he said ted well they wrote ted on all of the cups all, all of, the, of cups. the cups all of the cups they wrote ted on every single cup oh my goodness yeah um and so he's carrying it back he goes into the the boardroom and there is justin timberlake <laughs> okay justin timberlake is there for this meeting he what I was, I'm under the impression of, it was going to turn into The Social Network, okay. uh, which was a movie that was made. It was a movie. Um, and so he is handing out coffee and what, I guess he's at the, you know, you can imagine a long conference table, you know, in a big boardroom, New York City, you know. And uh, so he's at the, the the head of the table, just passing it out. And everybody's passing it down. They're not moving from their chair. Cups of coffee called Ted. And you see Justin Timberlake, you like, hold one up and yeah. pass it on. Hold, he just keeps reading Ted and pass it on. And he goes. Ted, who's Ted? <laughs> and Ted, my friend Ted goes, I'm Ted. I'm Ted. I'm the intern that ordered the coffee. And he just looks around all these cups with Ted on it. And he said, <laughs> Ted, you are one greedy person. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was cool about it. He was totally kidding. But it was well, a, yeah. he's a fantastic story. That time that Justin Timberlake called my friend Ted greedy. It's that so. one. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> if you think, if you break down what Justin Timberlake said, it's just because he said it that makes it funny. It's like if anybody else said it, be like, what a, what a jerk. <laughs> but it was Justin Timberlake. Oh, too good, too good. Can't stop feeling. Can't stop feeling.